This show will be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio and RSS Feed for adding to your favorite podcast player and also on YouTube of course and if you're watching on YouTube we'd, we'd appreciate some comments or questions in the comment section below the video and if you're listening on iTunes we'd appreciate also a rating and review if you have time. If, if people don't like they're going straight down into David Jones's locker so they better click the like button. to the Sim Racing Perspectives podcast for September the 2nd, 2018. I'm your host, Davy Jones, and I'm joined today by Mike from Sim Racing 604. Hello, everyone. William Marsh from the Sim Racing Paddock. Hey. And also, Mr. James West, Mr. Gamer Muscle. Oh, hello there. <laughs> Thank you, Will, and thank you, James, and thank you, Mike, of course, for joining. Um, now, today is a kind of a, a special event, so to speak, and what happened was a short story, some, some background info. Um, I got a message from Will one day. Will says, Gamer Muscle and I have a bit of a friendly rivalry going on for a little while, and it could be an interesting yeah, idea to see what, what happens if you stick us in the same podcast. So, do you oh, guys... Boy. So Will, who wants to start? James, who wants to start on the uh, on on the rivalry? Is this um, is this a stream rivalry rivalry or what's the basis of this? So it's uh, been an interesting element where, like, basically, in the past, I'd always looked up to Gamer Muscle in some ways, and I I know horrible role model to look up to, but hey, I mean, got to look up to some people in the Simmerson community, and. Always would watch his streams, his channels. Uh, actually, before then, it wasn't much streaming. It was more just pre-recorded videos and whatnot. And then mm-hmm. I started my channel around 2015. That post is off me. What? Making a shrine with candles. <laughs> dreaming. No, I, I didn't go full Jimmy. I didn't go full Jimmy Broadbent. But, I mean, I still. I, it was another bald guy to look up to and had my own channel and then I decided, Hey, I let's see what all this gamer muscle hype is about. And I, he helped support my channel at times and helped it grow and became a decent friendship. And then, Oh boy, when he went on his first San Jose sharks rant, that's when things started to unwind. Not, not everyone has good choice in hockey teams, do they? Let's face it. Yeah, I mean, you could be a Penguins fan. Oh, wait. Poor Will and his Sharks addiction. (laughs) Have they actually won a game recently? (laughs) Well, considering the fact that it's the offseason in... Yeah, so... Well, they should have their first win in about three weeks from today because that's the first preseason game. Well, I'll, I'll be watching it, and I'll be putting money on whichever team they're playing against to beat them. Well, we swept the team that we're playing against in the playoffs, so how like you say money. we. You're you're like the crazy English football hooligans. They're like we, and you're, they're like you're like who are you supporting? Oh, Manchester. Where do you live? Bognor Regis. 
But but they still say we. It's like, are you actually in the vicinity of the of the sharks? Yeah, I'm an hour drive away. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll let you off then. I mean, it's kind of understandable, you know. I'll let you off. I'll forgive you. Just this once, I'll forgive you. Wow. I'm, I, I'm really well, rusty on my ice hockey, though, because I used to watch it when I was younger, when Pittsburgh were, you know, like Forsberg, Mario Lemieux, you know, those the, the era of amazing hockey players breaking their knees and continuing playing and all that. All that lark, I'm I'm out of the loop with ice hockey. It's just it's just not on at the right time. It's like IndyCar. It be, it would be so much better to watch IndyCar than mm-hmm. Formula One, but it's just on at the wrong time to conveniently watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can relate to that being on this side of the pond, where I would have loved to see the Grand Prix at Monza, but ultimately, I want to say that race was at maybe 3 a.m. my time and it's like i had to get some sleep yeah i mean you know i need my beauty rest it's strange how popular formula one still manages to be in the states though given given the time differences this i think it is still quite popular and and in brazil it's really popular as well yeah i believe what we do is we tend to have a rebroadcast during normal living hours so at around like maybe 1 p.m there would be a rebroadcast, but we just we tend to miss out on it live. Hmm. And James, you're from you're from the UK. Is is a, is being a fan of ice hockey? Is that common in the UK? Or uh, yeah, literally everybody everybody's really serious about ice hockey in the UK. Uh, you know, every street corner. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And, and by ice uh, hockey, he meant football, and uh, not yeah. the American football, the strange <laughs> real football. But the Australians would then say that's not even real football. Nobody knows what the real football is. It's just there's just football confusion internationally. But yeah, well, the real football. Please stand up. Ice hockey's. Um, really not big in the uk i mean even the like ice hockey teams mm. even the british ice hockey teams are like barely followed i mean people go there there are matches you know people people kind of go to the stadiums but it's not yeah if you went to someone in the street they'd be like you what <laughs> you what mate whereabouts are you uh whereabouts are you from at the moment davy i'm from ireland yeah, it's probably the same. I don't know if yeah. ireland has like a, no. a, a massive booming ice hockey no, scene well, that i don't I, know about I, i'm been living in Finland now for several years, and of course, there's a big ice hockey following here. So, but well, that's it. Well, yeah, like uh, obviously in the states, I think uh, the the Czechs have a, a big ice hockey thing. Mm. But yeah, I don't, yes, I don't, they I do. There's yeah, not, there's not much ice in the UK. No, so probably, that probably explains it. No, that's true. But yeah, as the a, issue. As a Canadian, I feel I should chime in here. We're, of course, known for our prowess in, in polo and uh, rugby and things, but uh, there is also a little bit of ice hockey up here. Yeah, well, your rivers all free every, every winter. Your lakes and stuff freeze over, so you get a chance. Only, James, don't exaggerate. It's only for nine months of the year. <laughs> Nine-month <laughs> nine break from getting eaten by mosquitoes. It's ice hockey season, guys. We're not being bled dry. And then the sun comes out. Oh, no. <laughs> back, back with the mosquitoes. <laughs> so tell well, me, we, got, uh, we de- derailed it. We're, we were talking about the rivalry, the rivalry between me and Will. Oh boy! So basically, so go on. I, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just interject and get straight in it. I mean, yeah. fact of the matter is, Will. Okay, for a start, Will actually has hair, but he chooses to remove it. 
Okay. Obviously, an homage to to my phonically challenged state, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But then, separate to that, I, I think it's just you know it, it is nice that Will Will's come a long way with his channel. He's done really well. But at the end of the day, you you always have to recognise, as I say, he does support a bad hockey team. He is American, so it's good to you know. I always have to keep him on the straight and narrow. It could be easy for him to get carried away. So mm-hmm. you know, this, this is what it's really about. It's it's just keeping just keeping the playing field level, and, and, and you know, because you know how Americans are. Give give them a give them an inch, and they've they, you know they've thrown all the tea bag in the sea, and and they've ruined everything. So you you just have to you just have to keep keep them on keep keep them at a nice level. Keep you know, <laughs> keep them in the place. That's 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 all it's about, really. And the famous I, uh, go go on go on James sorry go ahead yeah no I was just going to say I hope that cleared things up and you know just made it nice and clear for everyone Crystal so can you tell me the 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 famous track the R I P headphone users featuring oh, M C S R P no. where where <laughs> sorry Will for bringing this up and and I'll link to it in the video <laughs> description on YouTube where did that come from or or James was that like a, a four o'clock in the morning idea or what where did it come from. I mean, like all good ideas, I think it was uh, I think it was a direct connection to God, basically, uh, most likely. But, but Will was in a race with us, yeah, uh, on, on on my server, and uh, you know he he was driven into, and then someone notified me in chat saying that Will was having a little bit of a he got a little bit angry, and Will being he the best thing about Will, I have to say, mm-hmm. is when he's angry uh, and driven off the track into a wall by someone rampaging him. The nicest thing with Will is that he, he can, he can effectively swear without swearing, which is, I mean, it was just beautiful. So, it, you know, it had to be remixed in the style of a, of the not early nineties rave scene. It was the only logical thing to do. So that, that's where that came about from. So the, so the dang it basically. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it was nice. I think it was subtle and yeah. to the point. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have gained the reputation of being one of the cleaner YouTubers. I really, I do try to make an effort not to really swear. Uh, and that's just part of my personality, part of my lifestyle. I mm. tend to try to be cleaner mouth, but I do also have the capability of getting angry when I get punted. Okay. And I had a really good race going there because. We were doing this sort of rivalry series where in one uh, like one stream, I would do well, like I would just whoop gamer muscle. Mm-hmm. And then in another time, I would get my rear end handed to me, literally. Okay. And then uh, it would just be that sort of back and forth dynamic. So in this race that we were running, I was leading this sort of freight train of cars and uh, I was, I want to say in third place, Gamer Muscle was in seventh, uh, go figure. And then I... The holiest got, of places. Huh? Seventh, the, the most glorious and holiest of positions known to man, effectively first. <laughs> exactly, but I get <laughs> kind of dive-bombed into a corner, spun mm. and wrecked, and just those emotions boiled over. So I was like, oh, dang it, yeah. come on! And then in the morning, I look at my phone. When I wake up, I see a notification. Gamer Muscle has uploaded a new video. And it the thumbnails an angry face of me. And I'm like, I remember, oh, yeah. no. 
I tell you what, it, it is really good though. You know, when you find people to race against, as Will was saying, where you have because what I noticed with Will is he's he's particularly fast. Like we were doing the go karts in uh, R Factor Two, and he's a lot faster than me in that. Yes. And then it depends on the car and the track and stuff, and, mm. and so you get a nice a nice dynamic. Now I've noticed this with other uh, subscribers that I I race with on my, on the channel. But it's nice how you can, you know, some some people seem to be the same pace as you, like neck and neck, regardless of the content. But then, like with Will, you get some other people where it depends on the simulator or the car or the track. And it's quite nice having that difference where, you know, sometimes sometimes you get to destroy someone and other times you have to uh, just cry in the corner and, and sob to yourself because you've let <laughs> the nation down. That is definitely true. And this particular stream, was this in a set of course or iRacing or where was it exactly? It was on AC, wasn't it, I think? It was a set of course. We were racing, I want to say, I think it was RSS GT1 at uh, Road America. Yeah. Well, do you, what, do you, what's your preferred simulator? My preferred, I would say, is R-Factor 2. I tend to find that the best feeling, especially through the tires, and slip angles is in R Factor Two. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still working on trying to fine tune everything in the future. I want to do possibly racing with subscribers in R Factor Two. Finally, have sorted out some network issues I was having, so I think it'll be easier for me to host events now. So well, I can do got, that. Um, they've got their their uh, uh, well, they just announced a new update, but they're doing a sim racing expo. But then hopefully, I'm really hoping with R Factor Two, the UI into the, the the UI update, I'm hoping that that will be decent because I can't. The, the current R Factor Two UI just just makes me want to put a drill through my forehead. Mm. So a new I UI will be really nice. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'm really hoping that uh, Reza. I know they've they've got some cars that they're doing for it. That's I, right, I yeah. suspect Reza might go to R Factor Two as their next platform for their next game, or maybe maybe they will just partner with uh, Studio Three Nine Seven. But yeah, because I've kind of stayed away from R Factor 2. I was a big fan of it when it first came out, especially the vintage content. Like the vintage Spa in mm. there, in the early Formula 1 cars is just incredible. If you've never tried that, you've got to try it because it's amazing, especially time of day, weather and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the AI yeah. can be really good fun in R Factor 2. And you can have one, you could like have one or two friends and populate a, a server with AI and mm. race with friends in R Factor 2. Like you can do that in Project Cars too, but a lot of people don't realize you can do it in R Factor 2. And it's really... It's really good if you if you're not like a a mega star like Will and you can't get people into a server. It's a good way of getting a full race with friends. But yeah, so I, I'm I've I've not played enough R Factor Two, but I'm optimistic that moving into the future that it might actually I, yeah. I can see us playing it more. Be good, be good to get some more R Factor Two going. Have to get some more battles with Will. Hopefully, get have revenge you tried, the cards. Have you tried the new DLC packs? Uh, no, I with need to. You oh, should, man. You Those should. things are freaking know, awesome. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, the new, uh, well, the because the, you were in that race with me and it was with Sean Conn and a bunch of other people, I think. Oh, I don't know if you were with the, when they did the Radical DLC, but. I, since... yeah, I believe I was in that, but that like just had total server issues and just kept on getting booted and stuff. Yeah, so since, since then, someone uh, said that they'd updated the Radical again and the, the radical i don't know if is it the sr3 or is it the uh eight it's the sr3 yeah so mm. the sr3 is one of my favorite racing cars out of all out of all cars because it's you know it's got the it's got the downforce at high speed but it drives like a car at low speed and it just looks it just looks sexy mm. i mean people disagree but i think it looks sexy so i don't care <laughs> what's what's your favorite 
car will. In our factor two or in sim racing in general? Just, just overall in sim racing. I would say one of mine is the BMW Z4 GT3. And I know you call it the Z4, but I mean, I Z. digress that. Yeah, it's like, eh. so aluminum. Uh, just the sound of that car is freaking amazing. And one of the things that is so frustrating, though, is how wrong some titles will just get that sound. For example, uh, I believe the stock Assetto Corsa sounds for that car are just way off. Uh, and then also Project Cars 2 just completely butchers that sound. But in Race Room, oh my gosh, it sounds freaking amazing. Yeah, Race Room sounds incredible. It's a shame uh, more sims don't don't have the the, the sound. I mean, it's, it's, I know it's really difficult on the development side to do, so I understand why, but... Mm. It, I mean, if you if you attend a real race and you listen to the cars, it it just changes your perception of the vehicles, and then the sims just they just don't capture it. But Race Room does a does a really good job, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting too. Like I was playing, uh, I was driving the 911 RSR from Project Cars 2 yesterday, and it's amazing how interpretive the sound of vehicles can be. Like that 911 RSR from Project Cars 2 sounds nothing, nothing at all like any other sim. Like you, you wonder how they get it so far off. It, it, it's strange. And then race department the other day did an updated review on race 07. Mm. And I saw those, that. Yeah. Even though that, yeah, that title is, is something like 14 years old and mm. their sounds are way, way better than a lot of newer Sims. So it's, it's funny how mm. much science, it's funny how much science goes into recreating car sounds surprising well wouldn't it be 11 years old because race 07 2007 oh, okay. 2006 okay. uh, yeah maybe 2006 reason, so yeah for well, some reason that in the review, anyway. it was mm. first released in 04 or something but i could be wrong anyway yeah. whatever it was it's yeah. old. well mm. just think when that came out will will wouldn't have had enough arm strength to turn a direct drive wheel so <laughs> <laughs> well i was i would have been 11 in 2004 <laughs> And so, a, yeah. a direct oh, drive motor would have cost around a hundred grand anyway. So, at that time, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, probably, how so. good is that a direct drive wheel? I mean, it's amazing that they it's got to the point. I've been following direct drive wheels religiously mm -hmm. since 2010, and it's just like I've seen it from like the the Bodners and then some of the uh, other like private ones where you're just like, well, you can't get that unless you're a, a, in a race team. Mm -hmm. to to some of the crazy french mod stuff and then what happened with the osw and now we're at a point where you've got like the, the fanatec doing theirs and i hope for us master start doing one and you've got these uh like these simplicity budget direct drive wheels and stuff i mean it's just oh it's so good such a good time for yeah. sim racing technology and the price is it's still an insane price i mean it is bonkers money for a toy steering wheel but mm -hmm. it is so good i think there's just we're getting there. It's getting cheaper. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Now, I have some, some topics I want to go through. Before I start, um, James, you mentioned in one of your... was one of your videos of one of your streams. I can't remember, but it stuck in my mind. You, I think you were, you were at Silverstone. Was it so? You were at Silverstone, and you talked about the sound of the Porsche 911 RSR. Was it, like, nearly bursting your ears? Was it so? You, you talked about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was a... Um... It was the six hours of Silverstone WEC uh, yeah. race, and it was a it was a GTE Porsche, and so uh, yeah, the re the real sound of that car. I mean, you know, the other cars are noisy, LMP cars, the, and uh, they're Ford GTs. Yeah, and, and the, but, sorry, the re the rest of the 
um, the GTE cars like the Aston Martin, they're turbocharged, but the, the 911 RSR is normally aspirated, isn't it so? Yeah, well, the, the difference is with the sound of the, the 911 is it literally sounds like someone ripping your eardrum out. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not, a sort of, it's not like a pleasant car sound. Yeah. I mean, if you've got earplugs in, it's fine. Because yeah, just, that's you know, interesting. It, but yeah. without earplugs, it was like, it was, it was painful. Well, to me, it was painful. Maybe a nice pain, but after about <laughs> laps of listening to it, it's, it's a little bit grating. Whereas you could listen, you the LMP cars, you, you could listen to them going into the pits, uh, or, you know, going right past you, and you'd be like, yeah. that's noisy, but, I'm, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't feel like your ears were being removed. So maybe <laughs> it's a good thing that sims aren't completely realistic because so everyone... I- Tinnitus after like a day of sim racing. So a nice pain. That's a funny. That's a nice way of putting it. Like a luxurious pain. So I wanted to talk about um, your guys, your experience on F1 2018. Now, <clears throat> if you'll forgive me, I have some notes here. I wanted to go through because I don't. I didn't want to forget anything. And we've already talked. We've already have touched on Will's favorite um, sims and car right now. But so but with, with Codemasters F1 2018, there's no virtual reality support. There's no virtual mirrors and there's only directional arrows indicating like where an opponent is behind you. And I'm sure uh, Codemaster's Ego Engine could support a virtual mirror. I don't know why it's there. Um, And then... I I kind of know. Go on. So uh, after I posted my initial first impressions video, I actually got uh, some messages from... Uh, David Greco, who's one of the yes. sort of physics designers and uh, one of those main guys of uh, development for F1 2018. Yeah. And I then added him on Facebook and I started chatting with him and talked a little bit about some things. And he said they had a virtual mirror implemented into F1 2018, but the art direction team decided to remove it because it looked ugly. Oh, really? And I'm thinking... Now it, that just leaves you thinking. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because mm. well, when you're racing, remove something. When you're racing with a sandal over your face and you can't <laughs> see in front of you, <laughs> a, a, a view of what's going on behind you would totally ruin the game. Also, having Doritos flying all around your screen and having Probably, AI yeah. that spontaneously drive into mm. you, uh, you know, it, that you know, the, the mirror would just ruin everything. Obviously. Yeah. So they allow you to turn off. They allow you allow you to virtually disable the front section, the upright of the halo, but they don't allow you to have a virtual mirror, which is kind of odd. It, it, it is really yeah. it is really weird in the game. I mean, I've only played it for like ten hours, but it it became pretty obvious to me that the the AI are somewhat aggressive in certain situations. That's one way to put it. Frustrat- frustratingly so. Um, it's yeah it's just it's weird because a mirror it's like well it's an option there why why not why not have it as an option you've got everything else there going on yeah yeah it is really really bizarre also the um rss mod uh the the formula formula hybrid mod. yes i wanted to talk about that yeah Mm. well we'll go more into detail that in a minute but just just the option on that you can press a button on there Mm. and it removes the 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 halo from your car and I mean, the way it removes the halo in F1 2018, it just removes a little bit of it. So you've still got this thing blocking all your all your view. It, it, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I can kind of I can kind of understand why maybe they had to. That it might be part of the licensing. If you've ever yeah like, familiar with how IP stuff works, when a developer mm. 
has an IP time with the company and they, you know, oftentimes there's like a huge like manual of really specific stuff that has to be exactly spot on. Otherwise, you know, you've not meet the things, the IP. So I, I do, I do have a load of sympathy for Codemasters and do appreciate there's probably yeah. loads of like nuanced reasons why there's certain things in the end resulting game that seem weird to, to the gamers. But it, on, from the development standpoint, I can totally see why they might have had to have done them. Yeah. But it is just a shame. I think it, 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 there's little things in that game that, really could could have been good and would have been no work to do yeah but, <laughs> but there you yeah go. my theory on to why they didn't remove the full halo is likely they didn't want to get rid of the advertisements off the cars my guess is likely they had a provision saying all the advertisements except for the williams martini livery had to stay on the car and if you remove mm. the full halo you get rid of the sponsors that are on the halo bar so yeah, I mean, race cars nowadays are just rolling billboards, so but you, you, you want to have always, as much advertising space as possible. They could always have it so that if you remove it visually, internally, but every every other car has the external halo, and that's where you'd see the adverts. Because you can't see any adverts on the internal of the halo, there's nothing on that. So it just be, yeah. should just hide it for the player, but everything else... So it's consistent, but as I say, we, yeah. we don't know the no. specific no. what what they had to do from the development side. But I guess we can only talk from the player side. So yeah, and I guess I it seems to be it doesn't uh, inclusion the exclusion of the virtual mirror seems to be like an from an art direction point of view. But it also could have been an, an agreement within the FIA themselves. Who knows? Like for example, maybe they yeah. didn't want to didn't want to skew the 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 the. The visibility of the halo element itself um james you commented on i was I, co I was commenting on one of your videos and you commented you said that you said that the career mode in f1 2018 is about as interesting as the career career mode in euro truck simulator no i think i think it's worse <laughs> i think yeah. no because this is right i, mm -hmm. I, I right i have to be careful here because I can see how there's a lot of people that would really enjoy F1 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, 2018, 1932, whatever. There's yeah. people that will always enjoy them. It's like the FIFA games. It's got the names of the people they know. It's got the cars. It's got the tracks. And mm. they're kind of playing it. It's kind of like an immersive experience. And they go through it and they'll enjoy it, whatever. Now, that's fine. That's great. And the game doesn't seem to be buggy. So there's there's good aspects to it. But. From from my perspective, as as someone that's too old to be playing games, someone that's played too many simulators, and someone that's that's just anal when it comes to physics and everything else and gameplay. Yes, it's to me that the Formula One games are not good games in the sense that, like, what what are you actually unlocking? I know there's like progression and you can update your car and stuff, uh, and you know that there's little bits of changes there, but it's like you could just change the difficulty to a lower setting at the start, and then you would beat anyone anyway because the margin of skill. In, in your sort of talent of actually driving is bigger than the, the basic margin of the of the cars for most people playing the game just mm. because of how hard Formula One cars are to drive. But anyway, yeah. in terms of unlocks and stuff and what, what you can get and progression, so like nice little 3D things in the game or maybe unlocking cars or un just things that are nice to play with in a game like you would get in a in a traditional like, like in Mario Kart, you unlock cool stuff to put on your vehicle or in True. split seconds, yeah. you unlock new cars or in burnout, you learn new locations and stuff. There's none of that. You're a truck simulator. You you build up cash. You can buy new depots. You can buy new trucks. There's there's a sort of game, a, a traditional game mechanic of unlocking and feel like you've progressed and got stuff. Yeah. In the Formula One game, 
it, it just doesn't make any sense. And then on that gameplay side, and then on the physics and handling side, it, it doesn't have any latency on in the input. So that's really nice. That's good. But that should be like the bench. That should be the basic for, for a driving game. So, I mean, that should just be a given. Um, but it's like, well, you, you just play any simulator, iRacing, Race Room, Assetto Corsa, Race 07, any simulator, live for speed, any simulator from the past like 15 years. Yeah. And the handling is so much better. And it's just like, oh my God. So, it, yeah, I don't think it's a terrible game. I, I'm just going off on one here. Sorry, you've triggered Formula One trigger. But yeah, so it, do, it doesn't make much sense to me as a game. But yeah. Um, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Like somebody commented on that video that you were kind of like pooping all, you were talking about. No, you, you had done a, you do, you had basically, you, you, you ran the um, Race Sim Studio Formula Hybrid in Assetto Corsa, as did Will, I, I believe, after. And you were talking about the feeling of it. And, and somebody was saying you were kind of like pooping all over F1 2018. But I commented, well, that's, that wasn't your point. Your point was you're, you're used to a certain level of feeling when you're driving a sim. And you, you, know, and you, have, a, you have a high end you have a high-end piece of equipment in your direct drive wheel. You're used to a certain level of feeling when driving an open-wheel car at, at Spa or whatever, and, and the feeling in F1, F1 2018 for you is just not there. Yeah, but I also think even if you're driving any of the current simulators with like a, a G25 or like some second-hand wheel, mm. the the nature of the cars, it's, it's, it's how they respond on the throttle and the accelerator, on the throttle and the accelerator, same thing, on the throttle and the brake, and just how like mid-corner, how you can really subtly move the cars. Now, like, the thing is, I'm not a big fan of iRacing generally. It's not my favorite sim for 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 force feedback and general handling. But yeah. when you compare like iRacing to to uh to the F1 game in the subtle the throttle and the brake response of the car, it's just like it's like a religious experience. Just, nice and dear. Uh, mm. yeah, yeah, it's it's unbelievable just how good it makes you really appreciate simulators uh and just just the work the, the physics work and the time model work and just how insane uh sim developers eyes just you you really have to hand it to them and what what they've achieved yeah yeah how about you mike mike you're you're a i i, I see you as a real like f1 fan how did you you bought the game didn't you i did i did i wasn't going to and then will i saw your, your review and uh race department gave it a good review uh, my honest thoughts are that i think it's very good I think it's really good. Um, I think probably the four of us are looking at F1 2018 and what Codemasters was trying to achieve. I think we're looking at it through the wrong lens. I think we look at it as sim racers, and I think Codemasters probably sees us as some weirdos off to the side who complain about tire flex and things like that. Mm. I, I think probably what they were going for for is, is their core market, which is the gamer. Like, I mean, if you look on Metacritic, uh, F1 2018 is sitting at about 85%. That's tremendous. Very, very few games get to that level, let alone sports games. So I think overall, I think from the lens of a gamer as opposed to a sim racer, I think they nailed it. I think they they got to where they needed to be. And, mm -hmm. and I agree with everything you say there, James, like in terms of the drivability, when you you know, jump in Automobilista or R Factor 2, it is like a religious experience. It's like the, the car comes alive underneath you and it feels incredible, especially next to an F1 2018. But I also think within the framework of what they were trying to achieve, I think Codemasters did a really, really good job. And um, again, I just think the way we look at it is a bit skewed. It's kind of like if you take a group of 
professional photographers and ask them to rate the iPhone camera, they're not going to think the iPhone camera is great, but the iPhone accounts for probably 60% of the photographs taken anywhere in the world. Mm. And that's what I'm going to have to throw a steering wheel at you here. <laughs> my, my, my thing would be is that i'm I, going back to like the really old formula one games on like the playstation from mm. a gaming perspective when stuff like having the, the racing commentary i thought was amazing with those games or stuff like having uh like the missions where it'd be like you you'd see in the formula one season there'd be a driver would lose a wheel and then they had to get back to the pit so that'd be a mission in one of those games they, they were like actual gameplay things that tied directly into the real world sport of it that were fun as gameplay game mechanics my, my issue with the formula one game isn't that I, I don't expect it to be a simulator it doesn't need to be a simulator no and I, you know it ticks the boxes it's stable it, it well it doesn't always run perfectly on pc you get stutter and the multiplayer quits out but but in, on console it, it sort of it runs well it's got all the tracks that there's it ticks the boxes that's fine but i would i would argue it should have some exciting actual game mechanic gameplay stuff in there for gamers it's, it's as if basically the people that i think are really enjoying it are people that haven't played any of the other sims to not not because they're going to compare the physics or anything it's like they just don't have any other benchmark so it's like it's the yeah. first formula one game that works in terms of not having latency and stuff mm. and it ticks the boxes but mm. there's no actual really exciting gameplay now I, I can't it, like from a from a gamer perspective i don't see what it really does other than other than tick the basic boxes which is all mm. it needs to do that's fine i'm just i'm just holding holding codemasters to the flame here I, I i want some like if it's for playing a game i want some like really out of the you know some left field game thinking here some I'm like fancy missions and stuff and even the golden balls in gt sport i really like that just getting those golden balls it's mm. fine yeah. So are, are there achievements <laughs> then on the on the console versions? Are there achievements because the Xbox and PlayStation is based on achievements? And I I see where you're coming from, James. You're talking about and 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 what I've picked up from the reviews. It's more about the experiencing what it's like to be part of the F1 world and like in the paddock and and backstage and so on and doing interviews and stuff. But there isn't that much progression. But on the PlayStation, even the, inter even the interview system mm. is like really weird. It's like the, the questions that come up on the screen. If you're if you're severely dyslexic, you wouldn't be able to read them quick enough. And then it's not like you can do subtle. It's like they've got the the, the answers you've got are like really. It's just really weird and like canned what you can actually do. It's not like you can really sway things in an interesting way. It's, it, yeah. it just feels like it's slapped on. Yeah, I'll stop being bitter. I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> Now I wanted to move talk move on and we've talked about we talked about direct drive wheels already. You mentioned it earlier, James, and we've talked about direct drive on on the show already, but the fact that we the guy we have you here and you guys are all running uh, direct drive wheels. Now uh, James, you were at the you were at uh, not the launch, but you were at the Fanatec event in, in Landshut in which is in Bavaria, which is northeast of Munich. And um, I didn't actually realize that that, that Fanatec is that the parent company is actually Endor AG. That was news to me. But um, so um, now you were at the um, 
you were at the event and the event was was ha- was was um hosted in some kind of aerodrome so uh, james how heavy are are the dd1 in terms in terms of kilos pounds how heavy actually are they and what kind of rig would a person need to 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 mount one of those well, I, I didn't get to do any weightlifting with them, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know the exact I don't know the exact weight of them. But I didn't I didn't pick one up. They were they were all bolted to either yeah. the tape or rigs. But I would imagine just the nature of these t- type of servo motors that that they use in the direct drive wheels, I'd imagine it would be fairly weighty. Mm. You, so you ju- you just need like a you know like a, a standard a standard rig that 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 can uh, it's more it's not the weight of the wheel with the rigs it's more that the, the um when you're turning left or right a really good situation the mm. test your sim rig with the direct drive wheel is uh, like the carousel on the nord Schleifer. yes just those kind of uh low low frequency repeat oscillations through a wheel will will really cause your your rig to move around and of course if your rig's not a super solid rig it, it will it will make the force feedback feel less precise, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm using the K2 cockpit with this uh, SW20, and I think that's the that's like the uh, most solid, the cheapest solid rig. But then, obviously, you know, you're probably looking at 8020 rigs or some of the some of the more higher end rigs if you really wanted something. That's what I was wondering. That was the solid. was the crux of my question in a way. And you said that they were there. They they tested the fact. They te- they allowed you to test the DD1 and DD2 against the competition wheels. So did they did they have AccuForce wheels that like they ha- they had a row of them or how was it done? Yeah, they they had a, they, uh, I still got the video on my channel mm-hmm. uh, the last Family Tech video, so you can kind of see it in that. But they got um they they had like four wheels at first put together. So when there's Club Sport 2.5s, AccuForce, uh, Small Mage. And then the DD1 wheel they did. And then after about three or so hours of them having them set up, they swapped them over for the uh, Bodner, uh, the the Landsmate, the, the, you know, the stronger, the 30 newton meter uh, OSW, and then their DD2. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, and the, same, the, the other, other people that they're sort of, uh, well, there's a couple of, sort of direct drive crazy people <laughs> who were chatting to us. Well, we all, we all seem to really come to the same conclusion in, in that the, yeah. the, uh, they, they, they compare very favorably to the, uh, to the OSW and just if, if not arguably potentially slightly better in some aspects of force feedback, but no, the problem is when it's set up on a rig like that with one, it was just with one game and I'd, I'd done some driving in iRacing as well there. Yeah. There was no way to really fully test it. So, no. I mean, no. there's no way anybody knows until, until we've had like a month with the wheels to properly test them. But yeah, in terms of the first impressions, it, it compares very favorably to the sort of uh, the, the the OSW that I'm using, the SW20, which is a small mage, um, and and those other high end wheels. So it's a really really nice bit of kit. I think it's really it's just really nice that we've got more so more companies making direct drive wheels, and Fanatec's more of a known brand. So I think this it shows that direct drive's moving out out of the sort of super niche market and into a more visible market yeah and you made a and, call and sorry sorry mike go ahead yeah sorry davy i was just gonna say will are you getting a are you getting a fanatec podium base uh they said they are looking to send me one to review when it gets closer to release nice will's got a broken wrist though from zip lining i know i sprained my pinky finger that's not a broken <laughs> wrist say something else then i sprained my p- 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 pinky finger okay <laughs> <laughs> will you walked uh, into well, that you how the heck would i do that while ziplining i don't know will but you know 
I don't know. May, I don't know how you do your zip lining, but may, maybe Americans do it different from how we do it. Oh dear, you walked well, into we that. We know one. Australians do it upside down. Well, it's very do technically it. in Australia. Yeah. From what I've heard. So, so how did you sprain your pinky finger? Go on. We need the details here. I think it was just like doing the quarter mile zip line, 200 feet in the air at the end. You have to grab onto the zip line to climb back onto the platform. Yeah. I guess might have gripped a little too hard or something. And that's, that's the excuse you're going with for the broken wrist. Sprained pinky finger. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I won't, I won't press you on it, Will, but I don't think it's a very good story and you might, <laughs> you might need to work on it a bit more. Well, I have video evidence on my personal YouTube channel. So, yeah. That's that's another podcast derailed. So I invite you here one time and this is what happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all your fault. Um, <laughs> uh, J- James, you mentioned in your video from Germany, you talked about AccuForce. Uh, Mike's running AccuForce. So it's Alex from the Extra Mile and John Sable. You said that the, the AccuForce was sort of, sort of notchy or grainy or something. What did you mean by that? Yeah, well, with, I mean, I don't know if it's because it's got a stepper motor, but there, there's an aspect to the AccuForce that just feels slight. It does feel slightly grainy with its inherent force feedback. However, mm. it does depend how you set up the force feedback in, with with the um, if you're using like the foundation or if you're using these the um, what's it called? I always forget what it's called. What's the uh, Sim Experience? Is it Sim Experience? Sim Commander. Sim uh, Commander. That's it. I always get confused with like the D Box one. Yeah rigs going crazy what a hard life but yeah if you set it up properly then i think it's it's much less noticeable from what other people have said to me but every time i've used the accuforce wheel it's always had a sort of degree of grain to it that's, that's inherently there and i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that negates the entire wheel i mean if you look at the price of the accuforce wheel especially if you live in america it's very cost competitive compared to the other direct drive wheels especially not at launch but since they've done their sales and when, and they've reduced the price mm. and what you get with it. But yeah, it definitely, I would put the AccuForce wheel on at the bottom of the direct drive wheels that I've tried, but may, I don't know if you can, if you, if you directly correlate everything with price, I don't know how much that would affect. I've not really sat down with a really analyzed price to quality. I mean, at the end of the day, all these direct drive wheels that I've tried, it's just they're just fundamentally so much better than any of the uh, the sort of belt driven wheels, as you would expect. Yeah. Due to due to the price of them, but mm. yeah, it, it just it had a little. There's a little grainy, a slight graininess feel to the to the force feedback, and the force feedback delivery is just not as subtle or as smooth as you get with the with 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 the DD1, DD2, OSW. Okay. Uh, or the or the OSWs. Okay. So you sorry, James. In my ignorance here, you said that the AccuForce has a stepper motor. What did you mean by what do you mean by that exactly? Oh, well, you're pushing me now and then going into an area that I'm too thick to fully understand. The thing is, is you've got the different types of servo motor and they can be internally configured in different ways. I'm not going to be able to describe it off the top of my head. Okay. I don't know enough about it. But if you Google servo motors and types of servo motors, there's different ways that you can, the magnets can be configured, the yeah. ways that the... The way that they uh, the encoders can be done, the way that electricity can be sent through them to smooth out the, the rotation. The, there's so many different ways of approaching, and there's no such thing as a servo motor. Yeah, I mean, there, there's argument between at what point does it become a stepper motor and not. And you know, mm. 
an engineer would be the right person to ask. I'll just make yeah. myself sound like an idiot. So but, but, <laughs> I won't go there. But overall, you thought that the, the DD1, the, the, the Fanatec Podium Series, was kind of better in a way than the AccuForce. That's it. Oh, to yeah, say. definitely. Well, I personally, again, mm. uh, the AccuForce appeal, I think, is the software. And if you've got a motion rig as well, it's nice having one one piece of software to, to do yeah. it all. But the OSW and the DD1, to me, uh, uh, I much prefer them over, over the AccuForce if I was to yeah. sort of choose between them. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's interesting as the as the as kind of a segue as they say in the podcasting world. But and and I want to go move move to Will. Um, Will. Now you did a very good review of your your six months using your 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 sim racing bay from um, which is based in Slovenia, and you have your open sim wheel, the midge mode with the midge motor. You talked about the the midge motor, the small midge and the larger midge, and uh, uh, James also referred to the midge motor. And Jimmy Broadman is also using a, a midge motor based system from from the same racing bay. And then you talked about it, it like I I was able to follow the video and I was able to understand everything correctly. But it's like it you required a, an e, this EMI cable, a special cable to prevent kind of uh, electromagnetic radiation. And um, uh, I think Jimmy Broadman ha- had also spoken about that when he was um, setting up his system. And then um, you also had this like this big like stop button that you would have like for example on a CNC machine or a factory conveyor. So and then back to a point that James made. Like I'm kind of thinking in terms of you talked about upgrading the individual elements going forward and and the, and the software and so on. And I'm just thinking in terms of a kind of ease of use and support. And this is a question to both of you. Would it be fair to say that a more closed system like like a Fanatec? Uh, Fanatec Podium or AccuForce would be easier to set up and maintain by people. Yeah, that's one of the things I really feel is a case where the open sim wheel is exactly as it states. It is an open sim wheel. It's open source. It's an open platform. And as a con in my review, I said the customization options and different elements could be rather overwhelming. Yeah, with the nature of this wheel, you have the motor, you have the electronics box, and that is that could be seen as cumbersome for some people because you have to have a separate place to put the controller box. Yes. And also, especially in the earlier days of the open sim wheel, you had the element where you had to actually build it yourself. You needed to actually build the simi cube and wire it together and in the early, early days, you needed like knowledge of soldering, which personally, I have no knowledge of doing. I've never soldered anything in my life. So yeah. that's something I wouldn't feel comfortable doing. So there was that trade-off. But now we have Sim Racing Bay. We have Simplicity. Uh, I believe there's a guy in America named Joe Sullivan who are making these turnkey solutions, which do greatly alleviate that difficulty in building your own system because that could be easily overwhelming for some people but at the same time it is definitely far from plug and play and that is something that people need to take into account Hmm. the simucube software is incredible for fine-tuning your settings to find what you like what your personal preference is yeah and the Downside of that is you could easily burn away hours setting up configurations. That's what I was going to ask you, yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm working on my recommended settings guide or my setup guide for open sim wheels. And I, uh, I sunk four hours into just driving, testing out settings and different sims last night, trying to feel what a good baseline is for some people where I, as mentioned, I've owned this wheel for six months and yeah. I'm still like taking time figuring out hmm, what setting is nice. And uh, another thing is that, for example, uh, there are two YouTube channels that have posted their semi-cube settings that are recommended. Uh, one is uh, Sebastian Kajmal, I believe that's his last name. Mm. I might have totally butchered it. But he made a series with recommended settings for different sims and also, importantly, some text files that need to be modified. Oh, really? And then if you, yeah, like, so I recommend that channel if you're looking to configure a direct drive wheel. Yep. And then also Sim Racing Garage, yes. he has his channel. Uh, yes. He did his review of the, I believe it was the Sim Racing Bay Small Midge Open Sim Wheel. Yeah, Barry's and channel. He yeah. Posts, hmm. yeah, he posted all of his different settings. And one thing you'll notice his settings are drastically different compared to Sebastian's settings. Yeah. So there is that area of personal interpretation where you need to figure out what works for you. So I'm not in my guide just going to post, here's the settings I use. I also am going to try to do smaller explanations of what each setting does so that can try to help give people ideas on what it is to configure. So what exactly the SimuCube force reconstruction filter does, mm. what the center frequency uh, adjuster does, and the filtering, the dampening, things like that, what that does. So I uh, get that saying, uh, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him to fish, feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. And what then, Will, can I ask you, what made you choose the Sim Racing Bay? Had you tested it out somewhere? Was it a recommendation from a friend? Was it was it price? What, what, why did you go for that system? I'm just asking from the point of view of like, like you, you, you from the video, I understood that you, you understand, you understood exactly what was required. You were able to put everything together. You got the cables and everything. You got it working. But what, what, why you, why did you choose the, the, uh, that route, so to speak? So one of the main reasons I chose it was actually a recommendation from Jimmy Broadbent because yes. oh, okay. he's been yeah. using the, yeah he's been using the large midge open sim wheel for a mm. while he really enjoyed it he uh, gave me his wholehearted recommendation and I trust him uh, maybe a little more than Gamer Muscle but <laughs> I would say that also this at that time the sim racing bay system was a little more technologically superior than other models i had been seeing so okay for example one of the biggest differences you'll see between different direct drive wheels and open sim wheels in particular is the encoder yes the encoder is basically what plays a role in the precision and also to an extent smoothness yes so resolution smoothness that is all in the encoder. Yeah. So on direct drive wheels, such as the open sim wheel and also the sim steering, 
you'll notice two massive cables coming out of that wheel. Mm -hmm. The first massive cable is what actually powers the motor. So that cable runs from the control box uh, power supply yeah. into the wheel, and that is what actually powers the motor. Yeah. The second cable is for the encoder, and that's what detects the resolution in the wheel, detects how your steering sends the data between the uh, or from the wheel to the control box to the computer, so yeah. it can understand what the steering input is. Yes. So. Uh, that is generally classified as either uh, points per revolution or counts per revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, it's measured in that area. And at the time when I got this open sim wheel, they were running on what's called the Syncos encoder, which was a major step ahead of what the Midge motors generally were coming with in the early days of the open sim wheel. Mm -hmm. So I never drove with one of the early encoder uh, open sim wheels. I had no experience from that. So Syncos was my first encoder. And I'll be blunt, this like I've heard that the encoder plays a huge role in making it feel better. Where going from uh, my first open, I'm not open sim wheel, my first direct drive wheel I drove with or drove with was actually the sim steering too when i visited cxe simulations they yeah. use uh, sim steering on their rig so i tested out the highest end wheel out there and everything and then when i got this open sim wheel it i'd say it's just on par if maybe not even a little bit better in some elements compared to sim steering which is freaking remarkable considering this is half the price of the base level sim steering too. Yeah. Where, and I'm using the top of the line Midge open sim wheel. Or actually, now it's not the top of the line because they just released the BIS C encoder. And I'm actually getting that next week. So I'm going to do a follow up video talking about the differences that I could feel between BIS C and the, uh, Syncos encoder. So yeah. that should be an exciting video coming up. Okay. And if you if you have to, re sorry, if you have to replace this encoder, this is another piece of hardware then you have to, you have to buy. What do you then do with the old one? Is the old one kind of disregarded or? Yeah, the old one, basically it's just discarded, use it as a Christmas ornament or something, I guess. Yeah, but okay. uh, yeah, it's something that it is obsolete like so the way i see it is it's like computer hardware like so yeah true true keeping yeah keeping in mind mm. where like it's the closed ecosystem versus the open-ended ecosystem so that's another one of the things to take into consideration open source it takes more effort to set up and things like that yeah but at the same time it's likely going to have increased longevity mm. so we're talking about the Fnatic DD1, DD2, and I wholeheartedly think that it's going to be a great wheel. I think it's going to sell really well, and yes, I think there is a serious market for it, especially the people who want a high-end experience on the PlayStation or Xbox. And also one thing that I always keep on thinking is that wheel is able to have multiple components plugged into it so that can save on USB ports. So 
yeah. if you have the club sport pedals club sport shifter handbrake etc mm. you can just plug it into the podium wheelbase and that all uses one usb port which i think is a sorely underrated feature of fanatic nowadays yeah but the thing is i believe with that being a closed ended wheel once that fail like once that has something that fails you're sol you're up a creek without a paddle you, you would either need to like just send it out for the warranty and be without a wheel for a while or mm. you will just need to buy a new one and i think that is something that you don't have to worry about not uh, not as much with the open sim wheel for example okay. my wheel came with a two-year warranty yeah. and if i had something fail like the semi cube main board i went I don't think I would have to send out the entire SimuCube box. I would just be able to maybe get the replacement SimuCube mainboard, swap it out, and I'd be good to go. And okay. Sure, oh, I that see does what you require. Mean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that requires tech knowledge. Yeah. But you do, if you have that, then it can be a very valuable tool. And that's sort of like the idea of computers. Mm. I have two custom built computers. I had a pre built before. And I had a failure. And in that day and age, I was, I think, uh, 13 years old. I didn't really know much about building a computer. Yeah. So my dad, he spent $1,200 buying a Dell XPS uh, computer. Mm -hmm. And that failed like eight months in. And unfortunately, none of us had the know-how on to how to repair something. So yeah. we had to call a computer technician and they had to replace some components and yeah so there's that element and sure there are people who prefer that convenience for yeah. me i tend to see myself more as a power user so i feel like i'm totally comfortable building my own computers and that gives me the knowledge on how to diagnose an issue if it arises yeah so i guess i mean i was wondering about the like the the longevity of a dd1 dd2 I mean, I, I guess, and, and this is for, for James as well, I guess technically the server motor inside the devices, I guess it's very difficult to break. But I guess what you're talking about is maybe maybe a controller circuit board inside which could fail. And, and to replace that, you'd have to, for example, ship it back maybe to Germany or somewhere like to get fixed or whatever. So that, I guess that, that was the, the, the core of your point, I suppose, as opposed to the, the open one where you just literally take out, open the box, remove the component, and then get another one because you're 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 kind of expected or or in a way able to do that. Yeah, you have to remember with the um, with the direct drive like the OSW, like the small mage, for example, mm. it's it's meant for use in like industry on like CNC machines and what have you, and it's the kind of device that would be stuck in a company <laughs> like working away just nonstop twenty four seven. Yeah, if you know, it's that kind of device where when you're using it for sim racing, it's like ninety. 5% underutilized so that's the true. motor shouldn't the motor shouldn't really fail no and as will said obviously on, you've got the simucube side now i know the early ones had like a ioni disco board in there a different setup but on the on the osw the the simucube i mean that that's from uh, granity devices and they, the previous ones used a argon board which was again was an industrial controller board and then the same company basically repackaged that and cut it down a little bit so it's more suited to sim racing even then though 
it's just massively over-engineered overkill for the actual application. So with, with the OSW kits, it's like arguably, and, and this is probably what Fanatec have capitalized on, arguably yes. with the OSWs, there, there could be like a £400 cost saving just by just by a company doing the PCBs and everything hyper-specific just for sim racing. I think, and it's basically what Fanatec have done is they've looked at the direct drive wheels. They've, they've done their own, solution with their own server motor it'll be a server someone will, i'm sure barry will take it apart with his hello scales i'm looking forward to this yes. he'll take it apart and he'll be like oh, using the 0.7652b motor mm. built in <laughs> mcdibble factory mm. so yeah no so they'll obviously have the motor in there and they'll, they'll have you know they'll have programmed their own stuff and done their own solution for it and then they can then sell that uh they, they can make, then make the margin on it to justify it as a mass market device but yeah with the with the direct drive wheels, I mean, the OSWs, I honestly don't see where they would break. Like the, the only thing I'm aware of that you could actively break it with is if you go into the underlying drivers for the for the Simucube stuff, for the voltages, and you put something crazy in. But you, you would have to actively go into that. Mm. So, if, yeah. it would, you know, you if yeah. you get if you bought an OSW from Simplicity or like the Sim Racing Bay and you go with their the settings that are already there, and plug it in that i don't know how you would really break it, it, it mm. you know and i don't yeah. think it would break over time it'd be it'd be weird for it to break and as will said in his video the, of of the the open sim wheels basically only running it at 30 percent, and it's still it was more powerful than a than well a, yeah but this yeah. is the thing mm. i'm gonna say to a lot yeah. of people, i know mm. there's an argument for having higher torque wheels and running them at, at higher strengths especially if you were like a gp2 driver you're training for gp2 but just in general there's aspects of having the higher force feedback that cause certain effects that are quite nice for driving and uh, the response of the wheel but if you're doing i imagine the same for will uh, if you're doing streaming or game if you game for hours and hours and hours or if you're a sim racer that's more on the competitive side you're probably going to be running it like 30 percent and even then it's like three four times stronger than uh than a standard belt driven wheel mm. and even at the lowest overall strength and voltages it's you still get that the main thing of the the, the fast rotation and the, and the really precise small details from like little track bumps and details and a really good range between the in terms of the loading of the force feedback so you know it's like having a if you've got headphones and you're listening to them, there's a very small range of sound that can come out of them. But mm. if you've got a hi-fi, which which has the bass speakers and the tweeters, you, you've got a huge amount of volume variation from someone whispering to mm. uh, to, to go in deaf. So yeah, you, you don't you don't need to run them at the the strength to still get them feeling awesome. Direct drive wheels for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting what you said, Will, and that was a very good point that. For example, if somebody has invested in the Fanatec, in the Fanatec, they have a club sport base and the pedals and the rims and a set of wheels. All they need to do is basically replace the base with the with the Fanatec podium, and and away you go. And I, I guess I guess um, in terms of how they've engineered, in terms of the motor, I, I guess my my assumption would be that the motor inside it's a lesser it's a lesser powerful part than the um, than the other ones available on the market. But I guess it's it's as powerful as it needs to be. I mean, in terms of in terms of the co how they're kind of keeping the costs down, or I don't know. I don't know what the uh, the actual newton meter values are. I think they they might have published them, but the mm. DD two I think is uh, up there with the um, with like the the. I don't think it's as strong as the the uh, the, the larger 
is it the lands motor i always get the names of these wrong yeah but the dd right. one is sort of the same the, the problem is it, you can't just break it down and going oh it's it's this newton meter value yeah, yeah, talk because yeah. it's, it's all the subtleties of how yeah. it delivers the torque yeah, exactly. the rotational speed there's yeah. so many subtleties at the end of the day they actually have to be tested and then a huge thing that is actually really apparent, and this is what I noticed at the Fanatec thing using the different wheels, is it's a large part of it is also the software. So yes. is the SimSit Steering 2 wheel, is that the that's the Bodner, isn't it, Will? Correct. Yeah, yes, yeah. I always get there's too many brands, I can barely keep track of all this. Mm. But what's really noticeable, and I, I would say that the the OSW with the with the uh, SimuCube and the DD1 and the DD2 felt better and gave better response from ac and i racing at least when i when i was playing around with it, it just they felt better than mm. the bodner wheel yeah for, and i think that's purely because of the the software yes. uh, and the, the way you can use that software to get the result mm. and, and and also i know will saying it's complicated in some ways and yeah it's not osws aren't plug and play but at the same time if you go with the default general default settings it's not that much more complicated than what you've got with the like the uh, Thrustmaster profile and the Logitech profile. In a no. sense, you still have it's just dampening um, power, and you know you, you can go in depth into it. You can add filter and everything, but even if you just go with fairly baseline settings, it's still going to be mild, just on another level to the, the more more standard consumer wheels. Again, obviously they're more expensive, so you'd expect that. But yeah. you know, it can be really complicated. But I don't think it has to be really complicated. But of course, the the the, the Fanatec wheels and and maybe maybe to some extent the AccuForce wheel. But everyone I know with the AccuForce wheel tends to fiddle around with settings. So, but the, mm. the, the DD one and DD two, I think from Fanatec might be the sort of first truly truly plug and play, especially if they do partnerships with games, which I think is what they're starting yes. to do. Yes. So, and that that might- yeah. Go on, Will. Uh, and also just one of the things I wanted to expand on with my mm. comments about plug and play is that one of the trickiest parts of getting the wheels fine-tuned is it's not just in the sim, it's not just in the profiler, but for almost every sim racing title right now, yeah, you do need yeah. to adjust some text files. So there yeah. are text files that you need to adjust. For example, when I was first driving Race Room with my OSW, if I would hit a curb too hard, it would lock my steering wheel in a oh, wrong direction. Was, when we first tried uh, Race Room, we got the AccuForce when it first came out and uh, tried, tried it with Race Room, the default settings, and the AccuForce started making uh, flute noises because of a really huh. high frequency vibration. We're like, turn it off, turn it off, it's going to break. It wasn't going to break. It was just, <laughs> that happens with all the wheels. And, and in fact, when you use SimuCube and you turn it on, it uses a high frequency vibration to let you know that it's. Uh, configured but i didn't didn't know that at the time but yeah i mean race room the default text file i think i I always get asked by people to they're like oh how did you get it working and you do yeah you have to turn the there's the jolt as well jolt magnitude for when the car hits you yeah and if you're just driving along and it's like oh i've now got no risk they've been removed yeah (laughs) yeah because uh, that issue was in place in uh in race room it was in place in the original r factor automobilista so all those different issues, like uh, you had to jump into text file for that. Also, there was issue with the dampening for iRacing that you need to change the text file for. Mm. For Assetto Corsa, you want to activate the gyro setting in uh, the text file. In R Factor 2, 
you need to invert the force feedback, which strangely enough, you're not allowed to do in controller yeah, never, settings in the never game. So that. yeah, you have to do that in a text file. It sounds like they'll finally offer an option to invert force feedback in the new UI, but it's like, uh, it's been over a year. Where the heck is it? I mean, mm. there's also that other aspect of when you, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> but that, with the direct drive wheels, it's also the case that if you're insane enough to spend that much money on a game controller, mm. then you're probably also insane enough that you're going to want to start setting it up for each car. It's not just each sim. You will find specific cars and specific sims where there'll oh, be like yeah. a little nuanced thing you'll want to do. Mm. But I think it's just sim racers. We, we, there's something wrong with us. You just got like fiddle with everything. People don't sim race to drive and actually have fun and play games. They race to fiddle. It's just, mm. yeah, yeah, it's just fiddling. It's just fiddling with knobs and I dials. Know. I know. Like I start up the PC, I'll start up like the voice attack and then the, the whatever apps I'm running and then I, I tweak the check for clipping and tweak the strengths. And I, I spend 90% of the time is just setting up and it's about 10% driving. Yeah, it's like the modern day Netflix effect. You yeah. hop on Netflix, spend an hour browsing, and then boom, it's like, oh, already out of time. You're you're single at the moment, aren't you, Will? Yep. Well, I see you're, you're all right as well. I mean, I'm single now, but I noticed when you know when you're in a relationship as well, the Netflix effect is doubled because you then have to combine two people trying to agree on what to watch. Yeah. So at least at least we cut half the time there. So that's good. I do have a funny story about. Uh, my ex-girlfriend so one time mm -hmm. like we actually we did have a local video store which sadly just shut down like three weeks ago mm -hmm. but one time like my ex she was going through a rough time and we went to the video store and she spent two and a half hours shopping in the bargain bin because it was like five movies for three dollars or something like that mm. so she spent two and a half hours and she ended up with 30 movies and then we get to her place realize half of them didn't even have the discs in them oh no yeah oh dear. it was like and then we ended up just watching a movie she already owned in the in the first place and i'm like really and from that day on, William decided to stay single, married to his direct drive wheel. His life was forever, forever good and peaceful. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah, so, so I guess, I guess if we, we, we get, we'll wrap up the direct drive discussion. I guess from what I've seen, like the, 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 the podium, Fanatec podium, they have the kind of the LED display built in and you can kind of apply settings physically to the base and then they'll have the software. And then for most of the major titles, there may be like an auto detection. So kind of you can automatically select a profile and then, you know, the, 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 they'll have the support com community behind and there'll be a, a support team. So as a more, should I say, I won't say consumer friendly, but as a more regular consumer focus, I mean, maybe, maybe they're on to a winner here, at least from my point of view. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, um, fairly technical and built my own PC and so on. But, but what, what, what Will went through and I admire what you did, Will, for example, putting the, from Sim Racing Bay, putting everything together. And that it's, it's like, it's really cool to have the ability to do that. But from somebody like me, I, I think that the, the fanatic option looks, looks kind of neat because it seems to have everything kind of not 
back not not plug and play maybe but but at least maybe it'll perhaps save some time because for somebody like me the time time is precious you know so and I don't have time to be be configuring I may I may know how to do it but I don't want to spend time configuring any files and text files and and going through forums just just to try and get one title working you know what I mean also, there's, yeah. there's uh, the rooms have lots of knobs and buttons to push as well, so that's that's all good. That's I mean that's what we're here for. Yeah, their, their rooms are really they are really nice. Like I'd, even prior to trying some of the the ones at the Fanatec event that went to the, um, I'd use the form their, their basic their original formula rim and their BMW rim, and they're just on a on a direct drive. It was pretty. I brought it up with them to to Thomas. I was like. Oh yeah, your rooms are obviously decent because there's people in the direct drive community gutting them and putting their own chips in them to use them on the wheels. So mm. he was like, he was like, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, the rims, the rims are really nice. And what I thought was cool is the the new quick release on the podium wheels is really nice as well. In the it's like a standard quick release, but then it's got this rubber bit that you tighten on and it stops it moving. But ah, also, okay. if you take the wheels off and put them on, that you can do it like hot swap. I mean, obviously, you could do that with like US other usb button boxes but sometimes like me i've got like hotasses and multiple all, all this crap all over the place mm. it's nice that you could be in a game and be like oh i'm driving a formula one car now swap the wheel over smash your nose in taking the quick release wheel off because you put your face too close to it but then you then all the buttons are just uh, already mapped and work because it, it i think it considers them the same ah. it's the same button arrangement so same profile so that, to speak yeah same layout yeah, yeah. it's his own yeah it's his own thing it's it's just that there's i think that's really nice given it's yeah. nice that they've got yeah. the qu- the quality that they've gone for with the with the wheels is a really good compromise between oh, again obviously they're not cheap game with like additional no, wheels no. they they'd cost a lot of money yes. but they're not they're not custom direct drive wheel territory which again that's another i mean that's fine if people want to spend a lot of money on their custom um button boxes and things that's that's fine there's it's, it's truly works of art what people are producing in terms of these uh formula rims and things True. but it's nice that with the fanatec thing that if you've got uh, you know i mean the average sim race is between 25 and 45 years old f- from the statistics i've looked at and that yeah. demographic tends to have quite a bit of disposable income so they they can get a really nice rim that's going to work with a kit uh, but not have the wife murder them immediately i yeah. mean there's probably yeah. like a little bit of lag between the wife murdering them once they've bought maybe two or three rims, but yeah, you know, and yeah. their rims are really nice, and that that hot swapping thing is quite good. This is yeah. turning into a Fanatec advert. I mean, this is like I don't get done for shilling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we all. And then I saw down the rabbit hole we go. I saw a post on Twitter, uh, no, on Reddit. Sorry, there was the about they had the McLaren um, GT3 wheel, and I even believe that the the I remember the sim racing girl who's now working for Fanatec. She had done a review. And the the the, G, the McLaren wheel it came with it with this quick release and then there was this this additional quick release you could buy which is which was apparently better but with the base quick quick release that came for the wheel there was like plastic pins that were breaking and people were saying well you had to get the the um the you should you're better off getting the more expensive the 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 like metal uh, the other quick release system that's comprised of metal some which um which is which is more solid and that sounded a bit odd to me i i hadn't i hadn't expected that from a company like fanatec so uh with that like the most publicized version of that incident i know was from 
RTA Motorsports. Uh, ah, that's crash, one of the yeah. other mm. YouTube channels. Mm. Yeah, actually, he's one of my friends. Mm. He lives about two hours away. So okay, yeah. I think we're planning on maybe doing a collaboration sometime. And yeah. he, yeah, so he has the Fanatic Club Sport Wheel version 2.5. And he had uh, bought the McLaren rim. Yeah. And yeah, the CSL series rims are like the CSL stands for Club Sport Light. And they do have that plastic slip ring on it. So mm. the slip ring on a Fanatic Club Sport wheel rim is meant for the, uh, or it's that metal style quick release that we all like. And then the CSL is a less sturdy quick release. I, it, I where you slide it on and then tighten the screw onto it and then you're good. Mm. Uh, in theory yeah but what i fear is happening with those is that the pins are metal on the inside because it's the metal contacts for uh all the inputs and everything so metal connects electricity passes through it yeah and that's how you get the button has to be yeah Mm. so yeah so i think what's happening is because it's a plastic it allows for flex on the outside of the quick release or release. Okay. Mm-hmm. So under heavier inputs, it ends up snapping or something like that. And ah, okay. I think Fanatic's official statement was that there was a defect in one batch of products. So I think that's part of the reason it might not be as widespread as we heard or something, mm. or people are just sticking with the, uh, with the CSL wheelbase versus the CSW, but yeah. with the McLaren being such an appealing rim, I mean, that's the first consumer grade rim we have ever seen that actually has analog clutch paddles. Mm. Uh, because uh, we did have the uh, Sim Raceway SRW1 that was that wireless wheel that sort of worked like a Wii remote where you just turn and it had analog paddles for gas and brake. Yeah. So you were able to like take it on trips and get your sim racing fix. If you didn't have your wheel and pedal set or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, this is the first one that can actually mount onto a steering wheel, like out of the box. Like there was a third party mod that allowed you to use the sim raceway wheel on a Logitech wheel, but this actually allowed you to mount it onto a fanatic wheel and get your analog paddles. Uh, you could adjust the bite point of the clutch, things like that. Oh, really? So okay. this was mm. an exciting rim for the community. And mm. then hearing about just that quick release failing, it didn't instill much confidence. And I think if it shipped with the metal quick release, and if they raise a price, maybe like 50 bucks or something, I think that would have been a much more appealing product yeah. uh, mm. where it adds that sense of stability and makes it sturdy. And yeah, I would never use my CSL elite PS4 rim on my open sim wheel. I would never do that, even though technically it is capable because I know that plastic quick release would likely break. Mm -hmm. And I just, I know that as a fact. Mm -hmm. So with the metal quick release, I would feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, And I would be willing to use the, mclaren rim on this osw if i had that metal quick rule or quick yeah. release okay okay so they're, they're basically the the 
they included the metal quick release as part of the ecosystem to make it more sturdy if you had this this lighter base, yeah. if I understood correctly. Okay, okay. Now, I wanted to uh, move on to some other topics. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Assetto Corsa Competizione. Um, it's coming out an early access on the 12th of September this month, 10 days from now or so. And I believe the the first edition will be one car and one track. Um, what are your expectations? Do you guys have any particular expectations? Obviously, you'll be buying it and you'll, or you'll get a copy. You'll be you'll be creating some videos or streaming it. Do you have anything? No, no, not, not getting it. I mean, I really, I really hate Assetto Corsa and uh, <laughs> Kunos have been producing just, I mean, AC is just an arcade game, let's be honest. Just not and, up there, is uh, it? <laughs> just Simcade. Just, I mean, I hate it. I, I, I don't play it and I refuse to get Assetto Corsa Competition. So uh, that's that's my... You're blacklisted, that's, my, that's uh, it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame. I'm, I know, it's, just, it's terrible, isn't it? And I know Will doesn't like AC and no. ACC either, so I mean... No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit excited. I mean, I've got the hype train. I'm I'm throwing coal in the hype train. Let's mm. hope there's no corners because the brakes are off. Um, mm. We're gonna be we're gonna be uh, full full speed ahead. I think it looks. I mean, okay, it's GT3. It's gonna be Spa GT3 every day. But um, I've only heard. Good, I've talked to a few people that have uh, like tried it um, and what have you. And uh, I've only heard like this is from Seto Corsa fans or people that are sort of on the fence. Mm. All of them seem to say that it's even better than AC. Like they, they were like, "Oh, it's a good." If AC is a, it's a good sort of like ten, fifteen percent better than AC in terms of subtleties of force feedback and oh, stuff. Oh, really? Like people getting saying they're really impressed with the wet weather and how it. It's not just oh, it's slightly lower grip surface. It, it, there's lots of subtlety to it, which sounds really interesting. But I'm trying not to hype myself because I'll just be disappointed. So, but yeah, it looks looks good. I think it's been really exciting to play it. Uh, the only the only um, bad thing uh so far i i think well, a little bit disappointing i think is the they're doing the slow rollout with it obviously on i think on the 12th mm. of september and then and then that add in multiplayer then that add in vr and then they did like really gradually and it's like well to me that made tons of sense with assetto course because people didn't know about it uh, there's only net car pro but but only crazy people played that despite it being amazing yeah so it made sense with ac but mm. with this to me acc seems as if it's a kind of people expecting it to be it's the Blanc Pain game. It's a cohesive package. You buy it. You've got this. You've, you've, you know, you can do Blanc Pain racing. Seems mm. really weird to roll it out slowly. I'm sure it'll still work for them, but I, I would have liked to fall. I would have liked to have jumped in head head first off the pier, find out the water too shallow, break my neck. But I'd have enjoyed it. So yeah, that's, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, but, you know. I, I was wondering the same. And obviously, I mean, they've done a deal with. Um, with SRO, the 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 company who organised the the Blancpain events, and I guess I mean, and also the fact that if people are saying it's already so good, why are they having such a long kind of release schedule? But I guess, I guess um, having it out on PC and having the fact that a set of Corsa has such an, a strong existing community already, they'll be able to look at the bugs and I mean, once it comes out, then and possibly also on Xbox One and PlayStation Four. They'll be able to iron out those bugs and and see, for example, which which hardware it's it's running on. I I agree with you, uh, James. I'm quite surprised myself, given that it's the Assetto Corsa Competizione is the is the Blancpain uh, series official game. But I guess that's how they're doing it. So, well, I think the big the one the aside like what what makes me worry with the um, 
rollout of it is mm. that in my mind it seems as if it's an esports focused thing and i thought it could be a completely wrong perception but i thought like the uh, the sort of potentially having the ranking in it and the, the multiplayer working with like a ranked multiplayer type system mm. it, it seems that if you're doing something like that you have to kind of launch ready to go so that so that people get jump onto it and then they're getting into competitive thing and then you know they're all playing against each other if yeah. you don't launch with that it's it's probably going to confuse people as to what is it a, a multiplayer game is that the point of it or is it a single player game do, do you know what i mean so what is it exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i'm sure it'll pan out all right if it's a good if, if a game is a good game yeah it doesn't matter how anything is launched if yeah. something's good well actually mm. that's not always the case but generally speaking if something's good then I think over time it will pan out as being successful. But it is just a weird a weird way to launch it, I think, from my perspective. I guess it begs the question, how far are Arcunos actually, how far have they actually gone in terms of the content? And is it so, are all the tracks to be laser scanned? Was it so, or was it a mix of, of LiDAR? I, I don't so. know. Yeah, it's going, I think it's going to be interesting. And yeah. the first one, it, yeah. go on, Will. Yep. I believe they did state that all the tracks will be laser scanned and at the high level fidelity and like that we've grown to appreciate from Kunos. And with that being said, I have I, I'm very optimistic about Competizione. I am a fan of GT3. It generally provides for a solid racing experience, but mm. I do have some reservations about what's all going on and it's rather confusing but my guess is that with what happens with a settled corsa competizione we'll see a settled corsa 2 coming out in maybe like early 2022 or something like that i think so all right yeah or because the thing is a settled corsa has way too many resources available for it to just throw into the trash can hmm. because Essentially, if you think about it, with what's going on with the Settle Course of Competizione, if it's just GT3 or just organized racing series, things like that, what's going to happen with all the cars that they, like the road cars that they spent like months working on? That's what's going to happen with mm -hmm. all the tracks? Mm -hmm. For example, the Norch Life won't be in Competizione. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't have Laguna Seca. We won't have uh oh, let me think we won't have other tracks such as uh magion we won't have uh imola so we'll be missing out on a lot of those tracks that or were the in the original Life, for Corsa. example yeah. Mm. yeah yeah and with that also the lack of the modding community the yeah yeah uh, so i know that the toge community is very strong in uh a set of Corsa, for example, look at random call signs videos, look at like some of his most popular videos, and they are based off of that culture. Mm -hmm. And there's that element where you do see that. And majority of that is going to be thrown out in ACC. As far as we know, there isn't going to be an actively supported modding community because no there aren't going to be like the developers uh development kit or anything like that for the third party community to use uh it's not going to be as actively supported as a set of corsips so we don't know if like the third party community will be finding a workaround to get to that but 
there's that trade-off because we are getting the technologically superior title with rain, day-to-night transition, driver swaps, mm. etc. Uh, but we are losing out on that open-ended ecosystem. The ex- and the expandability some people it, will, yeah. yeah, some people will like that. Some people won't. And yeah. hopefully in the future, we'll see more series coming because SRO is a huge organization. It is. So mm. maybe GT4 or some other feeder series yeah. that could be great to see implemented. And at the same time, uh, we are going to be at the whim of the developers. We are going to miss out on content such as the Racem Studio GT1. We're going to miss out on DRM Revival. We're going to miss out on That's true. all of these great third-party mods that basically they won't e- they won't be able to be ported. And I'm wondering, we are seeing companies and uh, modding groups saying they're going to start switching over to R Factor 2. Racem Studio said that they're planning on doing their GT1 mod and maybe even their formula cars and carrying them over to R Factor 2. So uh, yes. we might be seeing a modding migration or something of that sort. Mm. Uh, this is some speculation on my end. Uh, Assetto Corsa isn't going anywhere. It is at its end of life of development, but we are still seeing active mods coming out. So. True. Uh, this is some speculation on my end. So whatever mm. happens with ACC, we will still have a settled Corsa, but we are seeing some new mods coming out for R Factor Two, and uh, it's interesting because one of my fears is if a settled Corsa Competizione mm. will have the R Factor Two effect. Because back in the late two thousands, R Factor was freaking massive in the sim racing world Mm. i mean it was it had thousands of mods it had thousands of tracks it had so much content available and the majority of it was great original content it had just about everything it even had a monster truck mod Mm. and it was fun and then r factor 2 had so much hype behind it in 2010 2011 and then when it launched it had a lot of uh stumbling blocks yeah it wasn't as modder friendly it didn't have as much content and in that day and age we were shifting from the modding community based titles over to titles that are based on content Mm -hmm. so we do have the great modding community behind Assetto Corsa but at the same time, it's also bolstered by a great variety of first-party content with actual cars and tracks you want to drive. Yeah. So R Factor 2, when it launched, you had, say, the uh you had the Formula Renault 3.5, you had like Mills Metro Park. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit I drove the heck out of that combination, but I don't think you are actually going to be able, uh, you wouldn't market your sim based on that car and track combination. Yeah. So that's one reason why we did see more people coming to R Factor 2 once a track like Silverstone was released, I think in 2014. 2014, you see a big name track come out and you do see people coming in because Mm. as, as good original content is, going to be jumping to that original content per se 
you're not going to drive Project Cars 2 because of the Merrick LMP1. You're going to play Project Cars 2 because of the Audi R18 LMP1. And then you might stumble across the Merrick and say, hey, this is a really fun car. Then, mm-hmm. like, that's one of the cool things with sim racing, but you aren't going to actively jump into a sim racing title because, hey, it has some great fictional cars. Yeah. And uh, also, um, I noted SRO talked about there's actually a new, a new category coming, uh, GT2, which will be 640 brake horsepower to 700. So, they're, they're, as you said, they're, they're a massive organization and they're very busy. And also, in terms of licensing content from, from different manufacturers, for example, when they launched the, the, when they added the Porsche DLC, for example, manufacturers like Porsche will insist, well, okay, if you add, if you add, the race cars and the classic cars you also have to have for example the cayenne or the panamera you know certain certain um content once they have to have it there from the point of view of marketing and visibility and they maybe that's a good reason to have a, an ac2 where you'd have the race cars and the street cars as well you know more more a more more generic content rather than run for example what 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 sro and the fia are dictating so to speak you know yeah i, I, I do get the impression okay. with ac with, with the seto corsa uh, competition that mm-hmm. uh but obviously moving f- to to unreal engine it is a, a ridiculous task like it's, it's absolutely insane on a development standpoint mm. to go to a new engine especially unreal engine due to the fact that it's not fundamentally it's not a driving simulator engine so it's, no. it's a huge amount of development work for them to get the type of caliber of, of the car simulation but also just the, the nature of driving games like the size of a track the resolution of the track mesh the amount of assets on the screen that the number of cars that are all high detail all, all on screen at one point in time then not on another and then, then everything else involved in it so the the, the blank playing game is probably more uh, an opportunity for them to go right this is a set thing it's it's somewhat limited in the in the content. Yeah, in that's some a good ways. point. Yeah, and they can mm. get the fundamentals working in the Unreal Engine, and then and then based off the success of that, they they can potentially move ahead with with AC two if that's what they do, or if if the Blanc Pain game is particularly successful and it's rolling as a license, then it would make sense for them to carry that success forwards by adding to that. But you know, it, it, I think it, from their perspective or, or where they are it's probably up in the air for them until things are actually rolling for them to actually make a decision. Mm. So it, it could go either way. I would have thought yeah. with, with it, with AC2 being separate or Blanc Payne, uh, sorry, um, a set of course competition evolving into AC2 effectively. I think, I think both, both things could happen. And either way, it's good for us sim racers. More games, more sims, all good. And with with Unreal Engine being managed managed by by Epic Games, I mean the 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 hardware layer that that's something that Kunos, for example, don't have to worry about. They just have to um, focus on on integrating the, the the their content and then their their integration with with the with the hardware. Yeah, it, hmm. it's kind of complicated though because you typically develop. Well, it, it depends, but often hmm. they will branch off a version that's being put out by Epic of the Unreal Engine, and then they'll develop that to, with whatever they're doing. And so, yeah, in some ways, there might be aspects of the Unreal Engine that could be put into it. So in the future, yeah, um, uh, foveated rendering with VR uh, or, or VR with um, the ability to do very focal and what have you, which might have to be done on the on the engine level of the game, mm. that would be integrated in something like Unreal Engine. But that's not to say that just because a set of course competition is using Unreal Engine that it will just they'll be like, oh, we've got it. Mm. I mean. 
in theory, in theory, you know, stuff like advanced VR support or other features that come out will end up in it, but it's, it's not a given. So, uh, yeah, mm. we'll, we'll see. We'll just have to see how it goes. Well, then perhaps uh, based on what you just said, you in a way kind of answered the question, I guess, James, you said that, I mean, Unreal Engine hasn't really been used in a, sim- in a driving simulation title before. And maybe that's why they're going the route of the um, early access and, and also... Given the strong AC community there is on PC and the modding and the and the technical ability that like people have to add mods and add sim sim racing system like to follow forums and follow mess- messages like the PC community like they won't mind like let's say we have regular builds and bugs and stuff and then something it's it's helping them to figure out and once they have the Unreal Engine working for a fully released title then they can say okay well we now have a base here for the physics. For physics and then and then the force feedback layer. Now we can we can take this system because we have the we we have this we have the system designed. We have the addition of the 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 day and night transitions and the weather. We have the physics. We have the the force feedback. Now we can focus on making an AC two and it'll be an, it'll be an easier thing to do. Yeah, yeah I, I think. I, I, I think uh, from the, sorry, well, you go ahead. <laughs> I think one of the things that kind of the sim racing community doesn't fully understand is how much of an undertaking this fully is because mm. uh when i made a couple videos talking about the topic they were saying that unreal engine it like you're not using the unreal engine physics in uh instead of course a competizione you are like you're basically just going to copy and paste the physics from a set of Corsa, put them in ACC through the Unreal Engine, and they're good to go. And the thing is that mm. Unreal Engine based titles have a wildly different file structure compared to, say, uh, the Assetto Corsa engine, mm. and they have to translate it. So they need to translate all of the files and the physics into that new file structure they need to translate the car like models they have to translate the track models they have to translate Mm. just about everything Mm. into having this new engine and i think that's one of the things that actually uh that kunos mentioned as to why they aren't actively supporting the modding community they are like we have too much on our plate right now converting assetto corsa into this new game engine it's not as simple as just no. paste car file into the game and you're set to go. Yeah. There's active translation of files, elements, and things like that mm. that have to be put into place first. Yeah, there might be, there might even be in file encryption, for example, that's included as well. I guess I don't. I mean, the 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 the. I'm trying to get into using the sim racing system because I'm a bit of a noob on that level, and I know you guys are heavily into it. Um, with a set of course a competizione if it's going to have this kind of gt sport style like rank system going forward if it if it takes off now this is a, lo- a long-term thing and then we'll see if there's an a set of course or two but if there's if if the multiplayer on acc is really good and and there's rank system what does it mean for for like for example sim racing system now sim racing system it's ac is not the only game it supports of course but what does it mean in practice i wonder if acc comes on well and the multiplayer is really good and and there's 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 like proper management of players and ranking like there is in iRacing 
will they, will it become the talk of the town and, and maybe sim racing system something like that a third party system for multiplayer sort of falls by the wayside of course it's easy it's it's not it's not easy to put to to kind of guesstimate right now but what do you guys think i think the thing is with sim racing system is uh, it's, it's on ac ac is always going to be around yeah, there's always going to be there's going to be lots of mods for a long time yeah, exactly. um you know and so people and it the thing is ac runs on a graphic calculator practically and as people move forward with system upgrades it's only going to get easier for people to run it so ac is always going to have well for a long time a general audience there and it's already it's established as not that it's a, an established mod platform but it's it's just i think it's quite easy to mod for yes at a basic level mm. and so you know i think there'll always be a general demand for it there well, for for a reasonable amount of time mm. um I, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh competition if that's successful maybe maybe it'll take players away from it i, I you know but there's always people that seem that play all the games that, that get attached to one specific title because they yeah. have to like specific content or specific physics or mm. force feedback or whatever feature so who knows i'm who knows what'll happen but yeah, I, I'm sure it'll stick. I'm sure sim, sim racing sit around. Sim racing system will stick around for a long for, time. For at least a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have thought so to some yeah. extent. And it's free to use, and there's so much, That's uh, it. so much free content now. Um, um, race department did a did an interview with with Alan Speed, uh, the CEO of of uh, Sector Three, who was all involved involved with Simbin, and it was there was a discussion on the GTR three. And now earlier, um, Catalyst, this company Catalyst, who was, inv- who was involved with, I think they're going to be publishing the game for, for Simbin, if I understood correctly. But Catalyst had tweeted out that there was, like, GTR 3 was going to be the official uh, FIA World Endurance uh, game. And, and then Alan Speed was saying, well, that's not officially announced and so on and so forth. And then one of the things he mentioned in the interview with Paul Jeffrey from Race Department was that GTR 3 would be more... A gateway to race room, which I which I thought was sort of interesting. Did you guys did you guys read that news and what did you guys think? So uh, for me, like I was like I bought into that catalyst tweet and everything. I made a video talking about that and saying like, yeah, they're going to be showcasing it at uh, Gamescom. According uh, did to they, this sorry, well, did that, did they show anything at Gamescom? What did they show? They didn't exactly. Uh huh. And basically. I've seen a few comments recently raking me across the coils or uh, the coals against that uh, because I guess like with them not showing anything, they that meant I was full of crap. But ultimately, it was just tough because we were basing our information based off of a tweet. And, yeah, and why would they then, lie? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but then apparently race department confirmed what they were saying. So I they that's did. why that's I, I made that mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm. So basically, like when they had the tweet out and then Paul Jeffrey said, yeah, they're going to be at Gamescom and we have an interview coming around the same time. So mm-hmm. get excited, guys. And that's why I made that video. And it was a tricky situation because in the end, it didn't uh, come to fruition. They didn't showcase anything publicly. So I ended up I talked with Chris Speed who's Alan Speed's brother, uh, and he's the head of Sector 3, the old Simbin. Yeah. And I was talking, and I was like, hey, uh, what gives? And he was like, yeah, that was an unauthorized leak by Catalyst Games. We are working on negotiating new deals, Mm -hmm. and 
uh, the FIA WEC is uh, he is coming out and uh, they're working on that deal. And then a couple days later, I get another interesting Facebook message from our favorite sim racing satire critic, whatever you want to call him, Austin Ogonoski, yes. Mr. Pretend Race Cars. And oh boy, like he tries opening another can of worms. Basically, he says that I had a friend who worked at Simbin and he ended up quitting because of a lot of shady stuff going on. And like where uh where Simbin is claiming they have the WEC license, but the WEC turned them down and things like that. And they're still looking for a publisher, they're still looking for all this stuff they're looking for investors and like it's a train wreck behind the scenes and it's like i take a i, I take a lot of what uh, austin will say with the grain of salt so i don't know he could be just talking crap and everything mm. uh and remains to be seen. also with mm. yeah with where his loyalties lie i don't know he might just be trying to sow discord and, and everything mm. so it could be something like that but mm. it does seem rather concerning that like gtr3 what they're doing uh i'm concerned like especially after that interview that interview did not sit well with me personally no, no. Uh, that interview it felt like honestly it almost felt like a slap to the face because they're reviving the gtr name gtr one of the biggest names in sim racing and what are they doing with it they are it seems like it's been in development hell for what like eight years now from mm. when we saw that first preview with the incredible sound and what eventually turned into race room and then now we are seeing uh, uh gtr3 reviving and it was interesting because race department they did another interview back in 2017 yeah and that was a wildly different interview than what we just got because that interview back in 2017, they said GTR three is going to be the technologically superior title and then updates and the physics engine and things like that will trickle down into race. Room. Exactly. So they mm -hmm. were saying that GTR three would be the flagship yeah, and then race room would be uh, like sort of the younger brother. Yeah, and the race room uh, would later on be upgraded to Unreal Engine and so forth. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. And now it sounds the other way like, around, yeah, like uh, yeah, almost the other way around, where they're going to use GTR three to try to feed people into race room. And I could understand where they're coming from because race room it has established racing series, it, it has mm. like a wider variety of series. So GTR three, if everything works out according to what they're planning it sounds like they will like uh, or they could have the wc championship or other endurance racing series and then uh race room could bring people into the gtr3 class the uh, hill climbs the, the wtcr open mm. wheel series the mm. wtcc mm. so i could see that but at the same time it is it seems very deceptive like what's going on behind the scenes yeah. that's my concern 
I, I don't think there's anything. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything deceptive going on. I think um, that there's just a lot of complexity. Yeah. <laughs> part of it, mm. part of it is games development. Is like you might as well just put your face in a blender. I don't know why anyone would choose to be a developer, a game developer. Mm. Like that, you you you're better nominating yourself to be a, a prisoner in in a war than to be a game developer. So part of it is just games development. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, interesting things going on, but I, you know, I, I, with all these things, you know, you can always speculate with lots of stuff. Um, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, um, it, from a sort of over, overview perspective of things, there's a, a lot of interesting stuff that that seems to be occurring over the next couple of years, and I, I think just with just with sim racing in general, and just just with esports in general, uh, there, there's there's really interesting stuff happening, and uh, yes, I, I think it, you just got we just have to wait, and you know, I yeah, just just have to just wait have to roll with it, sort of. <laughs> yeah, just roll, just roll yeah. with it. I mean, it's really easy to get yeah. caught up in, yeah. in like, but it's the nature of the internet mm. now, and and stuff gets announced. Um, and you don't know what's true, what isn't true necessarily, mm. or what, what the actual reality is with certain things. So, mm. best best thing to do is to just wait and see see what happens. And speculation is mm. fun, though. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the, the, the overall the overall big picture view of these sort of things and uh, what's going on, um, it, I think the end result is going to be quite exciting with everything. So, absolutely. I, I guess in the overall, I mean, it's kind of well as and will uh, made reference to, for example like GTR 3 would be the follow-on and then Race Room would then take that technology and Race Room would be upgraded away from away from DirectX 9 to Unreal Engine and th- there was the leak, it was going to be the FIAWEC and now it's not and now it's going to be... But, I you think know, um, on, on the, the sim racer's perspective, I think there's a lot of disappointment in the sense of with with the initial race room announcement, for some there's like the the holy grail of G, GTR three because of what everyone remembers GTR two being, and so there's it's like a it, you know it's it's sort of like the half life kind of of yes, sim race. Uh, that is way. true. So yeah, everyone's like a lot of people are really wanting like the next you know that that revival of that same thing because it hasn't and in sim racing in in general maybe maybe partly with Project Cars too, but there, there hasn't been a this title has everything in it. Wow, single player, lots of stuff to do, proper mm. decent physics, you know, yeah. everything. Yeah. We, it's always been sort of trickle releases and or you get this one bit of content or it kind of does this okay. I think every the, the sim racing community at large, I think are feeling a little bit abandoned and they want they want that triple A treatment along along with the physics. But um, they want to have the cake and eat it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the, pro- the problem yeah. is that uh, games of Sims and, and games in general have just got so complicated, and the, the budget's required to produce it, especially when you're licensing at, fees it, and so on. Not yeah. just having mm. the features, like obviously with, with something like GTR two back in day, the uh, yeah. it had the features, but the features were just they, they weren't each feature wasn't as in depth as what each feature is now so that's what true. like what's mm. in a common sim now mm. a singular feature like this uh, uh, the nice physics or the the nice car models or you know each individual feature is just insane so mm. it's very the benchmark to get an equivalent of a gtr2 in a modern title is just so much more work uh that, that there has to be rock solid likely. multiplayer as well mm. yeah but it'd be nice mm. it'd be nice yeah. maybe one yeah. day we'll see yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I guess I guess as a final point for those of us who follow Race Room who kind of dare I say in the know or understand what Race Room, Race Room is 
have been following it and, and know what content it has. But I guess we were kind of surprised that, for example, that the comment from... Sorry, Will, was it Chris or Alan who did the interview with, with Race Department? Uh, I... Uh, let me check real quick. I don't uh, it's one of the Speed Brothers. One of the Speed uh, Brothers. Yeah, exactly. But I think, I think, I think for for those of us, because like, so, so one of the comments on the Brace Department article was like, like, okay, meh. It's like, okay, well, it's it's console. It's they're making it for console to 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 lead people into race room, and and some people are confused by the race room model and whatever. So. But, um, and now I want to. We're we're running we're running quite long, and I don't want to keep you gentlemen all all day or all night. So <laughs> so if I can, um, I have some. Now I wanted to talk about your favorite sims. Now we touched on this already a little bit earlier. Now um, I have here like for example a set of Corsa and the mods and and like the race sim studio, the the Formula Hybrid, and then uh, back to race room itself. Um, uh, like the DTM, 92 DTM, the 1995 Mercedes DTM, 2005. The 2005 is uh, Mercedes DTM is now part of the competition that will later on be available in the game. And the recent uh, front-wheel drive WTCR. Um, and then the Project Cars 2, for example, has the has the DLC, like, has the DLC rollout of, of Project Cars 2, like the Porsche pack and the, the, the Le Mans pack, has that been effective? And then iRacing. So in terms of the overall, like we talked about games games that are coming, a set of Costa Competizione and, G, and GTR 3, but in terms of just a, a kind of a, a roundabout discussion of, of current current type topics, I mean, current titles, shall I say. Now, James, you quit, you play quite a few, and in even indeed in your streams, you go between between iRacing and, and Race Room and Assetto Corsa, and, and you the same will. But James, I'll, 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 to you first, for example, from let's say you do a four, five or six hour stream and you do uh, a set of Corsa, maybe a mix of iRacing, a mix of Race Room. From the, from the chat, from the, like, from, the, from the people that are following what you're doing, is it a fair question to ask, like, which content do the people seem to enjoy more or, or does it matter? Or what do you enjoy more? Um, well, it's weird because each sim... In terms of what people enjoy watching, in terms of if you're just looking at raw view numbers, hmm. I think you kind of have to – what I do in my stream is I approach each thing differently. So one of the nice things with iRacing is normally people are watching because they're getting involved. They're not in the race with you. So they're watching you race, and they're getting involved, and they like to see – you know, what you notice with the iRacing races when streaming it especially is if you're in the top five or so in a race and it looks like you're progressing well, view numbers go up because you get people want to see what the result is. And and then obviously you've got the chatting that you've got in any stream. So that iRacing works really well in that that perspective. And it's also off, often you get the close racing and what have you. So yeah. with that side of the stream and iRacing, that's quite popular. When I do a set of course of streams, it's either new mod content, and so people are often watching because they want to see if it's good good mod. But what I also do with uh, with a seto is we do a lot of community racing. Yes, so you have I a lot of people that, yeah. actually involved in the race, and say you've mm. got interesting people that you race with that have got like a bit of a reputation, and people that we tend to beat or, or beat us, and so you've got a viewership that come in for that specific thing, and to also take part. Um, and this, the same thing happens with race room. We normally we normally get people from the open open visor race league that they, they, they um, often Alex Blob often hosts a server for us. So we 
fill that up. And Race Room's got really good uh, net code for car contacts. And obviously the sound is amazing. Yeah. Force feedback and physics are, uh, are pretty nice as well. Mm. So, you know, each, each sim has its own thing and its own own audiences. Um, my my personal favorite from my perspective is I'm, I'm a total Assetto Corsa fanboy. Yeah. I, I just love that. I really love the, just for the force feedback and the, the, the tire model at the limit in Assetto Corsa is just just really amazing for, for me. So that's kind of what puts it at the top for me personally. That's purely then, from I mean, sorry. That's purely from the driving experience. Like whether you're against mostly, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, but then but then you have stuff like that's annoying in AC. So the the net code you, you sometimes get like rowing boat cars if people's pings are moderately high, and, and even with people with okay pings, it can occur. So that can be really yeah. annoying. And then there's pinball car contact sometimes where cars go flying. So you know that there's there's quite big negatives to AC with with i racing. I really like being able to jump into a race and uh, and you have the close often have the close racing. Some aspects of the the damage is better than other simulators. The laser scan tracks are really nice. I quite like the sound. And when I played in VR, the VR and i racing VR is good in AC as well. But the VR and i racing is really nice. Yeah. Um, but then in i racing, you have the stupid subscription plus content fee, which prices lot of my viewers out because if you're in like exactly Portugal mm. or spain or so you know uh you know it's a stretch to buy like the, the equipment in mm. the first place so yeah. that really i find that really divides the art the the uh, sim racing community and uh there's there's stuff in i racing that's not ac- generally accessible so, so some some cars aren't particularly race that often but you know it, so it can be really good and then it's got those negatives and then with race room the car contact net code is absolutely amazing. You can, you know, you can drive the, the 90s DTM cars in race room, really nice, fun handling. I don't know how realistic it is. It doesn't really matter. It, it, fantastic force feedback, fantastic fun. You can have proper door banging, paint trading racing mm. at, without it being ridiculous. Like without the cars flying off, it, it, you end up getting really natural close contact racing. That, that I don't think you can get in any other simulator in race room, especially with like 90s DTM, as I say. And yeah, then you can do really mm. nice GT3 fields, like fill them up with like 32 people I think you can fit in. And, and it works really nice with the track rotation, all, all just working, stuff that's not in AC. You know, so, and that's the thing. And then in Project Cars 2, you can, you can load it up. Uh, you can create a lobby yourself quickly, throw people into it, and then drive the, all the different cars, all the different tracks. It's integrated for the most part. So if someone's got the base game, chances they, are they, they have most of the content. Yeah, exactly. So mm. I mean, the, the the ultimate conclusion is, though I'm an AC fanboy, I, I mean, I really just enjoy playing all the simulators, and I just really enjoy complaining about every simulator. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Of while, while drinking tea, angry. I mean. What else would you yeah, be whilst doing? Complaining yeah. whilst drinking tea. That's the point. <laughs> I, I do need to play more R Factor Two. I, I, I have, I have a, I have missed it a bit. So I will, I will, we'll go back into it at some mm. point. Just, just. To and actually, work. the best. The, I don't want to sound like a shill, but the best version of Sebring is now in R Factor Two. I reckon because it's. I haven't tried it yet. Oh, yeah, it's I really, yeah. I, yeah. I can see a tear yeah. underneath Will Shades. There's a tear rolling yeah. down his face. Oh. Yeah. That oh, version of Sebring is absolutely brutal, though. Mm. Uh, because in my first test drive, I had my force feedback set too high, mm. and I did a three-hour live stream and still was fine-tuning my settings on my OSW. My shoulder was legitimately sore for two days. Oh, really? I, yeah, no surprise. Mm. So it's wow. from the zip line excuse to Sebring with a direct <laughs> drive wheel. I mean, I don't know, Will. 
you're going to have to work on these stories. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I saw I saw pinky to sore shoulders. Yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> sorry, Will. I'm only kidding. I got oh, hurt more Will. by driving Sebring than I did from ziplining. So in the overall, it, what people would like most is is to get together and drive together. And I guess it's the same for every game. You have to have the content to be able to participate. And like Race Room has this a la carte model and people watching the stream who want to participate are not necessarily even yeah. playing our racing or even have the particular content. So you, and for example, with AC, you can join, you can set up SRS for free. You can get a lot of mods for free and you can have a lot of fun very cost effectively in a way. So... Yeah, I think I think AC is the best value yes. proposition at the moment. I would agree on that. I with everything that's offered, uh, I want to say right now, like maybe not right now, but at times you will easily see. I think it's like the Assetto Corsa Ultimate Edition or something like that mm. available for twenty to thirty dollars, and you, you know that kind of value there is immense. You can't buy that. If you've already got other AC stuff, it's uh, so stupid. I know there's so many people. I'm pretty sure this is the case. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm just going by what people have said. But if uh, this yeah. is the case, it's stupid mm. because I've had people message me going, "Oh, I've got the base game and like one DLC, and now I can't buy the ultimate pack." And it's like, what? Well, so many people just want to go right ultimate pack done when it's on sale, for example. Like you know, race room do, for example. Yeah, like a race room discounts what you already have, for example. Hmm. Well. Huh, that's interesting because I never thought I about know it, that yeah. uh, there are other titles on Steam that allow you to, uh, if it's something like you own part of the bundle, then it. they discount that. Yeah, yeah. but I for this, it doesn't. I think huh. because they sell it as a, it's like a separate standalone thing rather than the accumulation yeah. of all the deal. But, but granted, there are situations where possibly if the like. The full bundle pack is available for, say, twenty dollars, which it has been in the past, and that might be fine if you have just the game and the like one DLC because that would still offset the cost. Yeah, so I, I just it I think could it's just be confusing different for some people, That's but yeah, true. it does yeah. get confusing, mm. somewhat inconvenient at times. But mm. yeah, I I'd still say that race rooms one of the best values. We're yes. not race room. Uh, Assetto Corsa yes. and then race yeah. room might be second uh, mm. in terms of value because they have a great variety of tracks and cars and they have that way where you could buy just about everything for around 60 US dollars. And, and even cheaper if you use that the is a virtual great race value. points. Yeah. Mm. A good, a good exactly. Race room for a lot of people that I always recommend is that. The, the old if you if you're doing the online racing, which is what a lot of people are using it for, I mean, it does have all right AI racing. But if you're doing the online racing, a good thing to do is to buy something like the starter pack and then try and get track packs. And that f for especially when it's on sale, that basically allows you to join anything because you've you know the starter pack has most of the cars that are going to be for, for each series and everything, and then you just need the track. And you don't need you don't have to have all the cars that are running on a given server. So that's a, that's a really nice thing with race room. It's one yeah. of the problems with you can get one car from each class, for example, so you can join most yeah, of the series. Yeah. Have you got something coming up now in your challenge? You, you want to plug Is it something that you're working on either a review or. Uh, so one thing that I do have going on is I'm working on this sort of community collaboration project where uh, it's the idea of 
asking different sim racing YouTubers what is their main wheel of choice or what is the wheel they like deem their favorite. And hmm. uh, Gamer Muscle, it sounds like he is going to collaborate in it. Uh, Jimmy Broadbent, uh, Sim Racing 604, uh, and other YouTubers, hmm. uh, which I think it'll be a great community collaboration project. Uh, one of my thoughts is that it shows that us as sim racing YouTubers, we do have a sense of community. We're not just in our own isolated little bubbles, but we do interact with each other. We are friends and we get along well together. So oh, I think it's a yourself, fun project. I'm in my basement by myself all alone with a plastic <laughs> bubble around me. I'm, I, you know, I don't know. I don't This community. Oh, God. Whatever leave you say, alone. bubble boy. Yeah. <laughs> all, I want, all I want is tea and my bickies and leave me alone. Tea and biscuits. Tea and oh, biscuits. Twinings. Yeah. Twinings yeah. every day. Yeah. Twinings every day with a rich tea. And Crawford selection. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, of course, <laughs> you, you have to be careful you don't eat all the chocolate ones first because then. Oh, all... you could just can't stop when you get those biscuit selections and you're like, oh, I love yeah. one. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, you well, I've stop. just had that one. I've got to compare it. Yeah. yeah, it's just, and then before you know it, you're morbidly obese. But at mm. least you got fat doing something fun, so it's totally worth it. That's true. That's true. So, um, and what about you, James? Anything, uh, James Gamer Muscle? Anything coming up on your channel you want to promote, or? Um, I just the usual. I mean, uh, I probably have some sort of a review on the Formula One game. Uh, I might do some like comparison stuff. I, I everybody in the Gamer Muscle community wants it. A top five USB port video. <laughs> yes, yes. So, <laughs> so uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Well, we, uh, they'll, they'll, I'm sure there'll be lots of good stuff coming. I mean, we uh, so many uh, stream most nights, and then mm. I try and do videos every day, every other day. So mm. I can't keep. I don't even know what's going on myself. It's just happening all too quick. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> just subscribe and like. Subscribe and like. Yeah, exactly. I, I hear you. And where did the um the the I noticed on your stream, and I, it cracks me up. Where did the guilty thing? Where did that come from? Guilty. You know, this is like a stamp on the oh, screen. The, <laughs> the because uh, I well I occasionally crash into people. Mm-hmm. A couple of times a race, and so it's <laughs> nice. To have okay, exactly. So we have the court of muscle, and then oh, yes, we can yeah. uh, do the verdict on if we're innocent or guilty. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm always guilty. Even when I'm innocent, everyone says I'm guilty. So I, I, mm. I, I really don't know why I bother trying to trying no. to follow the law in sim racing. Really, it's, no. it's completely biased. I need to I need to get some brown envelopes with money sent out to people. Not really. So it's that, not very so democratic at all. Um, no, it's, um, it's completely rigged. Mike dropped off quietly earlier. He had family family things to attend to. Uh, Will, James, thank you very much for joining. It's It's been a real eye-open, a real in-depth discussion. And thank you for your time. I really appreciate this. Well, thanks for having me. And thank you, Will, for the, the suggestion. And then I started, I said, okay, well, I'll start to annoy Game of Muscle. If I can make a joke, you were like, James, well, I'm a bit boring. And I was like, come on, man, you're not boring. So you're not boring at well, all. I'm we- not, look, put it this way. I've <laughs> not climbed Everest or circumnavigated the, the globe in a, in a boat. I, you know, I've not done anything. Of, I'm just, I'm a bold guy that drinks tea. <laughs> in it's not exactly the, you know, the most exciting. You're not going to get really good stories from me 
I mean, look, even Will has tales of uh, past girlfriend's DVD selections. I don't even have that. <laughs> I don't even have that. I'm not ziplining, breaking my wrist, just drinking tea in my sim rig. That is it. That's all I've got. And this is, I need to get some tales. I, I, after this After this podcast, mm. I'm building a boat Yes. And uh, we're off, so I'm probably going to drown, but let's go for mm, it. Yeah. Okay, to- build a boat, create a Tinder profile, and yeah. you can have your own friend DVD selection stories. That's the dream world. You'll have to start stocking up on biscuits then if you're going to do a world tour. We're just the first person to, to sail around the world on biscuits and tea. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, can you run that's in a Hollywood known, movie? Yeah. For, forget, that's the, that's the next blockbuster. Yeah, who's going to play you then? Uh, Tom Hanks, of course. Probably, yeah. Tom Hanks, yeah. He'll have to shave his head. Or no, uh, 10 years from now when they make the movie, I mean, I might look like you. Mm-hmm. I, said, I don't know, Will. Something to, something to aspire to. Yeah. They might need to add, they might need to do the CGI for the pinky. You know what I mean? Like, they might need to, hopefully, oh. hopefully they'll. <laughs> oh, dang it. Come on. <laughs> Poor Will. I think on that note we shall we shall we shall leave it at that. So, um, guys, thanks once again for joining. Uh, this show will be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and RSS feed for adding to your favorite podcast player, and also on YouTube, of course. And if you're watching on YouTube, we'd we'd appreciate some comments or questions in the comment section below the video. And if you're listening on iTunes, we'd appreciate also a rating and review if you have time. Um, again. Once again, guys, thank you very much for joining. And until next time, thank you. Cheers. If people don't like, they're going straight down into David Jones's locker. So they better click the like button.